Well, hello, and welcome to this week's of Photographic Life. Um, I've been in the house, and I'm currently in, um, for roughly two years now. And um, prior to that, we were living in uh, urban North Bristol. Our hope, our desire was to have a house we could park a car outside of, that we had a little bit of garden, and also an area where our daughter could grow up with kind of access to fields and things like that. But for me, the most interesting thing about the house we bought was this shed that I'm broadcasting from. The house had previously been owned by a a university lecturer in creative writing, and she'd created the shed for um, her writing, a, a place to escape to, really, I suppose. But for me, I saw it as a potential kind of space from which I could create work, and that work was primarily, I suppose, a podcast. I dealt with podcasts and I'd created podcasts roughly 10 years previously and they'd been recorded in a professional recording situation by an expert sound engineer. But I kind of thought that it was time to kind of take control of that and and try my best. As regular listeners know, I started off um, very poorly and um, even to this day we are regularly interrupted by next door's chickens, the postman and next door's dog. But why am I talking about all of this? Well, what I've noticed recently is uh, the number of podcasts are growing at an exponential rate. And what's more, the number of people wanting to listen to podcasts is growing at an even faster rate. Now, this may be as a reaction to what we're currently going through with the lockdown. Or maybe not. Maybe there is an insatiable appetite for audio content. The thing that I suppose really brought this to my mind was that when I started to do this podcast, a lot of people were commenting that it was from a shed. And in fact, one person described it as a shed cast, which I rather liked. But if we go back to that time pre-lockdown, we were in a situation whereby broadcast quality was considered to be all important. You couldn't have stuff appear on television, certainly on the BBC Unless you were creating it with approved cameras, specific models of cameras, not just makes. It's all gone out the window, hasn't it? We're now in a situation where people are presenting programs and being interviewed uh, from their kitchens. It seems primarily kitchens. I'm not sure why people are choosing their kitchens. But anyway, uh, in their gardens or in front of their bookshelves, using cheap headphones and inbuilt computer cameras and microphones quality no longer a consideration information delayed via time delay and thinnest of broadband cable or cheap routers are all part of this new form of information communication and broadcast that we're all experiencing as i said at one time you needed to have your camera approved by the bbc so are we now entering a new era of punk aesthetic it's the medium the message or is the message the medium goes back to marshall McLuhan there doesn't it but i think it's important it was also uh, came to my mind uh, when i was listening to uh, a three-hour program devoted to the bob dylan murder most foul i hope you're not getting bored with me talking about that every week but i will continue to do so i think as long as it's so relevant but anyway murder most foul it was a program presented on bbc six by gideon co broadcasting from his shed i felt a certain kind of 
kinship immediately. There it was. I'm recording from the shed, and so are the BBC. Maybe when we come out of this, we're going to continue in this way. Maybe the importance of the message is going to overcome the quality. Or as I spoke about last week, maybe we're going to find a balance between those two things. It, of course, directly relates to photography. That idea of the over-technical photographer who is more interested in the technical uh, ability, functionality of the equipment he's using that went into the image, but in so doing, killed the very soul of photography or the person who really doesn't care about any of that, but is more kind of uh, involved, engaged with communicating a message. During a conversation this week with somebody else who I kind of know who's part of the independent photographic community in the UK, we were talking about this, um, I suppose, movement uh, amongst the, uh, we'll describe them as the establishment, shall we? Uh, Galleries that are Arts Council funded, magazines, uh, companies who expect you to pay for what they do, uh, connected to photography, a whole range of different people who I've been calling out to do stuff for free for a long time, and now suddenly they are. Um, I'm seeing new podcasts, uh, talks, online talks, but already they seem to be falling into two very specific areas. Those people who are really happy to give stuff away for free, and those people who seem to feel that before they give something away for free, they need your email address or they need you to subscribe to their newsletter. Data capture, in effect, creating something for themselves of value. Now, I may be just being very pedantic and picky about this, but for me, it kind of uh, indicates an underlying misunderstanding of why we're doing stuff within the independent community and why we do this stuff for free. I don't get any funding at all for everything I do, and there are many other people out there in exactly the same situation. And in fact, in the coming week, I'm going to be giving a a talk, I'm going to be interviewed about this very thing that's going to be appearing live on YouTube. So do check out the UNA Photo Twitter uh, feed for more information about that. But what I'm really talking about here is this idea, as I was just saying, about doing stuff in your shed, that punk aesthetic, that idea that we we do have the tools and we can do this stuff. I really hope that when we come out the other side of all of this, those people, those organisations, don't then use their commitment to giving stuff free to get more funding and to try and see it as a way of kind of going back to the old ways. I really hope they see it as a way that actually this was fun and this was useful to our community and it helped us build a community. And that they don't need that idea of data capture to push their subscriptions or to push their newsletter numbers so that when they go back to charging for things, they've already got you on the hook. Now, I may, as I said last week, I don't want to seem like somebody who wants everything for free. I really don't. But as I always say on this podcast, I think the photo community and photographers in general really do need to be treated with respect and understanding. And when we do come out of this, there's going to be a lot of people in 
financial difficulty. And those competitions and those paid-for portfolio reviews really had better recognise that before they go straight back to asking people to pay to play. We have a very diverse um, collection, selection, curation, I don't know, mix of photographers who join us every week on the podcast explaining what photography means to them. I mean mixed and diverse in that they come from all over the world and all many, many different types of photographic practice. And I love hearing that. Also love the fact that so many of them, despite that disparity, sort of come to us the same place when it comes to what photography means to them. Anyway, this week we have a Ruben Wu, who's a photographer, director, music producer and member of the band Ladytron. Born in Liverpool to parents from Hong Kong, he grew up in northwest England and trained in industrial design at Sheffield Hallam University. Ruben met Daniel Hunt in Liverpool in 1994 and formed Ladytron in 1999 along with Mia Arvo and Helen Marnie. Wu graduated in 1997 and finished his MSc in 1998 at the University of Liverpool and worked as an industrial designer until going full-time with the band in 2002. Wu began to document his travels on tour with the band with photography. And when the band took a break in 2012, he was able to focus full-time on his own creative output. He has since created images for GE, Apple's Shot on iPhone campaign, Jaguar Land Rover, Google, and the record label Interscope, amongst others. In 2019, his work was exhibited as part of Aeroglyphs and Other Nocturnes at the Photo Eye Gallery, Santa Fe. Uh, That was in 2019. The photography show presented by AIPAD with Photo Eye Gallery in New York City, New York, and the group show also at the Photo Eye Gallery, Santa Fe, New Mexico, just as the dog started barking as I was describing earlier. Anyway, let's hear from Ruben. Photography is my third career. From a young age, I always wanted to be an artist, but my career began in the field of design. After getting my bachelor's in Sheffield Hallam University and then a master's in the University of Liverpool, I worked as an industrial designer for a few years in Cambridge. Up until then, drawing was my passion and I just occasionally dabbled in photography. During that time, I formed a band with friends and we released a track which ended up being Enemy's single of the week. Our first album followed soon after and we started to play live shows in the UK and Europe. As we became more and more recognized, we eventually got signed to a label and a proper tour of the USA and Canada was lined up for us. It was at that point where I decided to quit my job and do music full time. And that was what I continued to do for the next 10 years. Music quickly became my passport to seeing the world. And because we were so busy, there was less and less time for drawing. So I turned to my camera, my dad's old Leica M3, to document my travels. My interest in photography grew and filled a creative gap while I was on tour, an activity which involves a lot of waiting and not much room for creativity. Rediscovering film and experimenting with the medium went hand in hand with travel, feeding off each other. 
When we were booked to tour somewhere far away, like Australia or Chile, I would get there a week or two in advance, rent a car and go exploring before rejoining the band. It was a great way to see the world. In 2011, after releasing five albums, the band took a break. And rather than forge ahead with my own music, I decided to pursue photography and video as my solo project. My interest in landscapes originated from my love of British national parks, in particular North Wales and the Lake District. Eventually I moved to the States in 2013, and this enabled me to explore the USA in my own time, connect with like-minded individuals, and slowly build up a career in photography. My personal work continued to centre around remote and dramatic landscapes, but I was interested in showing it in new ways, using whatever tools and techniques were available to me. I began using cameras to visualise what the human eye couldn't, the trails that stars leave behind, or long exposed images of a landscape in motion. I'd got to a point where my need for art in photography had hit a ceiling. I felt like I was just pointing a camera at the right moment and taking credit for it. It didn't sit well for me, so I began to look for ways around it. I discovered it by accident in 2014 when a truck with its headlights on drove into my time-lapse one night in the desert. What I thought had ruined my picture, I realised was a new direction, or new to me at least, where I could use artificial light in a natural environment. I'd also been using drones, but instead of using them as flying cameras, I began to use them as flying light beams, modifying them to carry a powerful LED light. Rather than waiting for the right moment and the right light, I'm literally creating them. And all of a sudden, I had a new way of showing a landscape which only previously existed inside my imagination, like stills from films that don't exist. My main motivation behind this work is to ask a question. Can I change my perception of a place by showing it in a new light? And if I can change my own perceptions, can I shift other people's? And will this make a difference to how we care for our natural environments? I like to think that my career in visual arts represents an evolution of the different things I've done until now. Rather than see them as quite disparate parts of my life, my practice is informed by both my backgrounds in music and design, and I wouldn't be here doing this without them. In many ways, I don't even see myself as a photographer, but more as an artist working in the medium of photography. So photography might be my third career, but I see it as all on the same arc of my life. And I feel like I'm gradually getting closer to figuring out what it really means to me. Thank you, Ruben, for your contribution this week. I think a bit of a theme is developing here of open-mindedness and also a willingness to um, kind of en embrace whatever comes. And, you know, Ruben there talking about using drones for lighting and so forth. Um, I was talking at the beginning of this episode about the changes in broadcast and the equipment we can now use. I've even noticed on the line recently that various photographers are doing now screen grabs through Skype and creating portraits in that way, kind of playing with that technology. And I suppose that for me is punk, you know, that, that, that's where it was, what it was about was what can we use and how can we use it 
to and then how can we kind of deconstruct and distort that um, in our message making and in our image making uh, talking about punk I suppose you know I, I grew up in London during punk and um, I was talking the other day to a very good friend of mine somebody I've known since I was 12 years of age an artist living in Amsterdam uh, Amsterdam Paul Glazier and he's also a photographer and he very uh, kindly asked me the other day to write something um, at the beginning of his book, a book of his work, a project that he's been working on for 35 years, uh, a documentation. So I wrote literally from the heart, and I wrote very much about Paul and about how I felt about him from when I met, from my perspective, to try, I suppose, and give a little bit of context to his work from that from that perspective of someone who's known him from pretty much when he started it it's quite interesting really because that for me is what i'm interested in i'm in i'm far more interested in hearing about somebody who has personal insight than somebody else's opinion from a critic's perspective telling me what they think or trying to interpret the work or the music or whatever it may be what i'm interested in is kind of getting that inside track and i suppose really that's what we get every week when we have the different photographers talking about what photography means to them if you look at ruben's work you may get a sense of his music from it i certainly do and i can see a creative kind of um network a mesh that's bringing all of his ideas together and i think really that's where we are as photographers we are people who are bringing those little strands together to inform our work and certainly what i wrote uh, for paul although i think it wasn't necessarily what he was expecting but anyway there we go maybe that's the whole point of everything we do maybe we shouldn't give people what they expect maybe what we need to do is challenge people i hope this uh, episode has been interesting and maybe challenging in some ways um i do thank you all for your support for the podcast um as i say kind of intermittently the listening figures are really rocketing and um, we seem to have a really strong um base there of people a really strong audience and i've got a, a great load of uh, photographers uh, lined up for the rest of this year so uh, your support by listening is really appreciated so thank you so much for that um i don't know how much longer this lockdown is going to go on in the uk um i hope wherever you are you're staying safe and that's the most important thing and as always i'll finish this episode with the suggestion that you should just take care mm-hmm.